0: I'll climb up onto a tower where I'm building and the light's coming through in a certain way or the ice is frozen in a certain way. And it's just, it's just, it's overwhelming how beautiful it is sometimes. Hi, everybody. My name is Shauna and this is the American English Podcast. My goal here is to teach you the English spoken in the United States, common expressions, pronunciation tips, and interesting cultural snippets or stories, I hope to keep this fun, useful, and interesting. Let's do it. Hi everyone. How's it going? As a content creator, I'm always on the lookout for interesting facts about the United States, as you probably can imagine. And last week on Instagram, a friend from high school posted a picture in the middle of what seemed to be a massive, colorful ice structure. The image was tagged Midway Ice Castles. When I looked into it, I knew it had to be a fun fact for an episode. The Midway Ice Castle is one of five massive ice castles in the U.S. Each of these ice castles weighs over 20 pounds million pounds. Every spring, this castle masterpiece melts away, and by fall, between 20 and 40 ice artisans, including many talented ice sculptors and carvers, start building the castle once again. In that introduction, you heard the creator, Brent Christensen, who today remains the lead architect and lead builder on ice castles. The audio was taken from the PBS Utah YouTube page. In today's episode, we'll talk about how ice castles got started and how they are actually created. But before we get to that, I'll teach you a joke, an expression, and we'll do some pronunciation exercises. So let's begin with that joke. What did the man say after he slipped and fell on the ice? Any ideas? Nothing. He just gave everyone the cold shoulder. (laughs) Ah, This is an innocent joke. And like most jokes on here, there's some wordplay. The obvious meaning of cold shoulder would mean that your shoulder, so that part of your body that's between your arm and your neck, is cold and icy. But the expression to give someone the cold shoulder means to refuse to talk to them. So if I offend you in some way, you might respond by giving me the cold shoulder. In other words, you might not talk to me. You might avoid me. So the man here fell, and it appears that he was so affected that he didn't want to talk to anyone. He gave them the cold shoulder. And he also literally had a cold shoulder from falling. So let's hear that joke one more time. What did the man say after he slipped and fell on the ice? Nothing. He just gave everyone the cold shoulder. All right, let's move on to the expression of the day, which is when hell freezes over. Let's go through the individual words first, and then we'll go through the meaning and some examples. When Is a question word and also a conjunction. When did you eat Lucky Charm cereal? There you hear that question. So, at what point in your life, or perhaps at what time of the day, I could respond I ate Lucky Charm cereal when I was young, right? So, in that second example, you have that conjunction. Hell is a noun and it's a miserably unpleasant place of suffering. In many religions, it's where sinful or wicked people go when they die, and it's often described as a very fiery and hot place beneath the earth's surface. Freezes, or to freeze, is a verb, and it's when liquid turns to ice because it is below the temperature at which water freezes. In Fahrenheit, that's of course 32 degrees, and in Celsius, zero. To freeze over— is similar, but it means to become covered in a layer of ice. In midwinter, for example, ponds freeze over. Lakes freeze over. Sometimes rivers freeze over. They become covered in a layer of ice. When hell freezes over, well, that's a common expression in the United States that means that will never happen. We can use this as a response For example, if someone asks me if I will become president of the United States, I might answer when hell freezes over, which is like saying no way, that will never happen. I would never run for president, and if I was ever nominated or elected, I would probably refuse, so that will never happen. We can also use this in a sentence to express that something will never happen. For example, a mom might tell her son to clean his room and her daughter might chime in. He'll clean his room when hell freezes over. In other words, mom, he'll never clean his room. When hell freezes over is an expression that is synonymous with the expression when pigs fly. They're interchangeable. It also is similar to the expression don't hold your breath, which is like saying don't get your hopes up. That won't likely happen. Let's go through some examples to hear how this expression can be used in a variety of different contexts. Example number one, my best friend is named Nina. She is German and she's also vegan. My husband, who I've talked about before on this podcast, is Brazilian and he is the biggest meat eater I've ever met. Not to say Brazilians are all big meat eaters, but he definitely is. So when I went to Berlin, we stayed at Nina's apartment and in the morning she had a breakfast feast awaiting us. She had some delicious German bread, a bunch of organic jams and Nutella, and then of course a big mix of sort of funky, unusual vegetable spreads that Lucas looked at with a very (laughs) peculiar expression on his face. I remember thinking to myself at that moment, there is no way Lucas would ever become vegan. He'll become vegan when hell freezes over. Like, that just would never happen. Example number two, my grandma Mary loved to play the lottery. Even though her family didn't have much money, she always scrounged up enough to buy a lotto ticket. We used to go to her house sometimes at night and watch on TV as the spinning little machine would shoot out balls with winning numbers. I remember my grandpa asking her why she wasted so much money on lotto tickets. And her response was, well, I might win. (laughs) His response was, don't hold your breath, right? Don't get your hopes up. It's not likely going to happen. You'll win when pigs fly. You'll win when hell freezes over. In other words, you're never going to win. Example number three, imagine that it's time for the World Cup. So, soccer teams from all around the world are about to battle it out in a series of games to see who's the best soccer team in the world. Now, imagine that the United States is put into a group with Germany, Spain, and Brazil. The United States is clearly the weakest team in the group, so you might say they'll make it to the next round only when hell freezes over. So, they'll essentially never make it to the next round. No offense to the U.S. soccer team, of course. All right, let's go through some pronunciation exercises. We'll use the sentence, only when hell freezes over. Repeat after me. Only. Only when. Only when hell. Only when hell freezes over. Only when hell freezes over. And the conjugation, repeat after me. I'll win when hell freezes over. You'll win when hell freezes over. She'll win when hell freezes over. He'll win when hell freezes over. We'll win when hell freezes over. They'll win when hell freezes over. It'll win when hell freezes over. Notice when we contract the pronoun with will, it sounds like all, 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 I'll. Yule. Sheel. Heel. Right? We just say it very fast. I'll. Yule. Sheel. Heel. This is called a dark L. In order to be able to create that sound, you need to make sure that your tongue retreats back into your mouth and is deep in the throat. This can be a little bit challenging because dark L's do not exist in a lot of different languages. A lot of my students struggle with this. The easiest way to truly get this sound is by dividing the word into two different syllables. So start by saying I-ul. I-ul. You-ul. You-ul. By doing this, by creating that separation, you'll actually practice your tongue muscle and get it into the right position before you actually pronounce the word. Try it a few times, listen once again as I read them through, and then read them all on your own. It'll be a great exercise. Believe me, it'll be a great exercise. (laughs) On to the topic of the day ice castles. As I mentioned in the beginning, I stumbled across a beautiful picture of the Midway ice castles on my friend's Instagram page. Ice shot up behind her in streams, creating a majestic backdrop for her and her family. The pictures were taken in Midway, This is a city in Utah, 28 miles southeast of Salt Lake City, and also fairly close to Provo, which is another big city in Utah. The finished castle somewhat resembles Elsa's ice palace in the movie Frozen. Of course, not that extravagant, but for real life, it's pretty insane. In the images, you can see the ice castle full of archways, full of tunnels, slides, thrones, fountains, caves, towers, and more. It looks like something from a fairy tale, and to make it even more magical, LED lights of every shade shine throughout it once the sun goes down. So how does such a masterpiece come about? Before reading about the creator, Brent Christensen, I was fairly certain that whichever entrepreneur had come up with this idea was trying to capitalize on the popularity of the movie Frozen. But how wrong could I be? Brent Christensen was simply a dad from California who moved out to Alpine, Utah and became fascinated by the structures that could be built by freezing running water over wooden structures, rebar, planks, and more. He had actually seen his neighbor reroute some water to create a giant ice hill and thought that was, quote, pretty cool. When Brent started, he was not an ice sculpturist, and he didn't quit his day job to take up this new hobby. He actually repaired lawnmowers for a living, but it was seasonal work, so he had some free time. He could experiment, and from what I read, it sounds like his backyard turned into a sort of a lab. He made an ice cave for his daughter, but it wasn't until he built an ice skating rink and a 20-foot high ice slide in his front yard that all of his neighborhoods started talking about it. Eventually, kids from across town heard about what Brent Christensen had built, and they put on their warm winter clothes and came over to play. By 2008, Brent made a real discovery. He didn't need wood. He didn't need rebar. He didn't need planks to build ice structures. He could actually use ice itself. It was simple. All he needed was icicles, slush, which is like mushy snow, very wet snow, and running water. After hand-placing icicles into the slush, all he needed to do was to run water over it, and all of it would freeze together again. He describes it as a basic welding process. This discovery was also crucial for his business idea to come. Ice-on-ice structures were rock hard. They could support the weight of humans, he could build fortresses, he could build castles, slides, anything that he sought to do. With the popularity of the sort of wintry, icy wonderland that he created in his front yard, he thought he might have a business idea. And so he started to go to a variety of different hotels and resorts to see if they would be interested in having an ice fortress on their property. Most locations rejected the idea, but by the winter of 2011, Christensen had found a hotel in Midway, Utah that was willing to try anything to bring around more guests. So they gave up a portion of their land to him and construction began. It was an instant success. The following year, about 20,000 people came through. Then the following year after that, right, so now in 2013, the movie Frozen came out, which ended up being a huge gift to them. According to Brent, that's when the freeways got backed up. That's when a lot of people wanted to come and visit. More people than he had ever imagined. So he hired architects, he hired a CEO, and a gal to respond to the press named Melissa. And for the sake of this podcast episode, I wrote to Melissa trying to see if she could answer some of the burning questions I had about how the ice castle is built, and of course, which one of the five is the best. My first real question was about the process, though. So if you go to the website, you'll quickly learn that icicles are the basis for building. But where do they get these icicles from? My first image in my head was Brent Christensen and his six kids running around the neighborhood pulling icicles off of their neighbor's roofs. But no, they actually have ice farms at the location where they grow around 10,000 icicles on special racks. And after they are created, they are harvested. In other words, they are picked off of these racks And then, of course, move to the location where they will be hand-placed in the slush, right, in that wet and mushy snow. Overnight, these icicles grow as they are sprayed with water. As Brent said in a video, quote, The real artwork is what happens when we go home and go to bed and we turn the water on, right? So a lot of this water is being sprayed on these icicles in the middle of the night and when they come in the morning, they get to see what really happened, what sort of growth really happened. So although he creates the general design, although there are engineers involved and artists and sculptors and carvers, the majority of the finished product is at the hands of Mother Nature. Just for that reason, it made the answer to the next question probably fairly easy for Melissa. I didn't know if I could get an answer to which location was best, but I decided to throw it out there. She responded, quote, all of our locations are popular. However, the weather year to year changes how each castle looks. For example, one year, the weather may be ideal at one location, but unseasonably warm at another. The next year, The weather could be completely different, and the location where we struggled to build the previous year may have extremely cold temperatures and a lot of snow. Then she said something I love. It is always a delicate dance with Mother Nature. There are six ice castles in total. Five are in the U.S. and one in Canada. Each castle weighs over 20 million pounds and takes over two months to build every year. They start every October. When spring comes along, the castle melts back down to nothing. And they emphasize on the website that that castle actually melts into a river and returns to nature. I wrote to my friend from high school about her experience, and her response was, The ice castles are incredible. I'm just in awe of how they are made. There are tunnels and passageways to explore, and a few tunneled ice slides as well. She definitely thinks it's worth visiting, which means it'll have to go on my bucket list. Going on an ice slide and then topping off the day with some hot chocolate can't be too bad, right? So that's it for this episode. If you'd like to see some more images of the ice castles, I'll post some on my Instagram at Podcast. As always, if you are interested in the transcript for the episode, you can access that by going to AmericanEnglishPodcast.com. Hope you have a nice week, and until next time, bye! Thank you for listening to this episode of the American English Podcast. Remember, it's my goal here to not only help you improve your listening comprehension, but to show you how to speak like someone from the States. If you want to receive the full transcript for this episode, or you just want to support this podcast, make sure to sign up to premium content on AmericanEnglishPodcast.com. Thanks and hope to see you soon.